and welcome to the AV Forums podcast. Joining me on this edition, Assistant Editor Steve Withers. Nothing more foolish than a man chasing his hat. News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. You're a pathetic rumhead. Games Editor Mark Botwright. Maybe it was engines. And Audio Reviewer Ed Selly. It's just a cheap political boss with more hair tonic than brains. Welcome back to the podcast and we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping before we crack on with home cinema news and uh, a look at the Bristol Sound and Vision show from Ed and Steve. So we want to add a couple of new features to the podcast and we want you to be involved. Having a fully trained and qualified chef on the podcast uh, most weeks uh, was going to waste. So if you are thinking of movie snacks, you want to make something nice, quick and easy or you want some ideas, then uh, let us know what you want ideas for in terms of recipes. And uh, Mr. Hodgkinson is going to do his first recipe later on in this podcast. Aren't you, Mark? I am. Any hints? can't wait. Uh, It's think fast food. Very fast. (laughs) Lobster's pretty fast. Think a a bit less high, a little bit less highbrow than that. The second new feature, dear listeners, you might... You might recognise the music. Uh, we're calling it our kit, not our tune. So, have you got your favourite kit? Memories of your favourite kit? Have you been forced to sell something in the past which you've regretted ever since? Have your problems caused with relationships or relationships ruined because of your obsession over kit? How much money have you spent and how much debt have you incurred? Have you even gone bankrupt when it comes to your favourite kit? We want to hear your stories, so send us an email to podcast at avforums.com and we'll read out the best ones that we get. So hopefully uh, we'll have lots of uh, communication from you on recipes that you want and, of course, our kit. So let's move on to home cinema news. Ed and Steve, we're at the Bristol Sound and Vision show this weekend past. Yeah, uh, well, I, I tell you what, I'll start off with the video side of things, the vision side of stuff considerably shorter that it's going to be than the sound bit that Ed will probably do. Uh, if, you look, if you're going there, I, there was a time definitely when the Bristol show had quite a lot of, of video on display, like projector manufacturers, lots of other products related to video and, and the vision side of things. But that's gradually been uh, decreasing over the last few years. So, for example, last year, Sim 2 weren't there in any real way. They were there um, only in terms of the same distributor who does things like Peachtree and Anthem and Paradigm, but the actual projectors weren't on display. There was no big um, no big demo room like they used to have. And this year, it's actually um, the area where they would normally be is now uh, was now name, and they were, in fact, up in one of the hotel rooms. So they'd gone... Uh, Sony weren't there this year, uh, no VW500, which surprised me. I know we were talking about it last week. Uh, so we were left basically with good old <laughs> good old JVC, always in the same spot as you come in the front door to the left. And they were demonstrating their X500, which is a fantastic projector. We've already reviewed it. We've discussed it at length on this podcast. I know Phil's currently got the X700, which will be coming up, up um, going up on the site very soon. Um, and their demo involved a bit of, bit of 1080p. So they were showing, and the one I was in, they were showing Oblivion scene from the film Oblivion, which looked fantastic. And they're also showing some 4K content off of a red Red Ray player. And uh, I, I hadn't, I saw, a, they gave me a demo and Phil as well, a demo uh, back in September, I think it was, but that was a pre, pre, pre-production model. So um, this was really interesting to see them actually demoing some uh, 4K content on what was an actual production model. And I think generally people were very impressed. Certainly I, I thought it looked very good. It, it, you could clearly see that it was high resolution in 1080p. I know it's not, obviously not, a native 4K projector per se, but it's using eShift to um, 
effectively create a high resolution image from the actual uh, 4K source that it can receive. So that was that was impressive. I was very impressed with that. And, um, you know, I think it gives you an idea that the, the X500 can be a projector you could buy, although it's not native 4K. Uh, you know, it gives you an option with 4K content um, that you wouldn't otherwise have. And given how little 4K content there currently is, I think it's a big, big issue. But certainly it means that there is a degree of future proofing in that projector, even even though it's not a native 4K projector. See, that's that's uh, one of the things that I've had to do with the X. 700 was find some 4k content have i mean obviously i'm lucky in fact that i've got a really powerful laptop that can play back 4k content without stutter and judder unless you've got a really big highly spec pc or mac if you're getting stuff with the internet you're really going to struggle in playback terms where else are you going to get the 4k material and this is something i've really struggled with with the x700 review um it looks fantastic when you put 4k material in it but where are you going to get your 4k content from it's it's one of these things, and I'll go into it in length of the, in the review, so I'm not going to spoil uh, uh, just, that sorry, too much. Phil. Can you hang on one second, Phil? My parents are trying to ring me up. <laughs> F*** off. F*** off, Mum. I'm busy. Language, Timothy. <laughs> so you're doing something less embarrassing in front of internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. What game are you playing this week, Mark? Uh, no, it's uh, FA Cup replay, actually. All right, Hull, is it? <laughs> yeah. All right. One ticket to Hull, please. <laughs> Well, actually missing fifth gear. Even I wouldn't watch that one. Um, I've got it recording on disc, have we? Uh, right, sorry. Um, yeah, so that, that was JVC. And then um, up on the fourth floor was Optoma, who was showing off the HD91. Again, we've already reviewed this. This, this is the LED projector. They Actually, it hasn't launched yet. It launches in March. It's going to be £2,999, which is a bit of a game changer in terms of you know price for a home cinema LED projector. Um, and again, it, they were demoing it in, in a hotel room, so they didn't have a lot of room, a lot of space to uh, set it up. Uh, but you know, it could demonstrate that it could produce a, a large and bright image from from an LED light source. Um, plenty of detail, great motion handling. They weren't showing any 3D, which is a shame because it's one of the strengths of DLP. But uh, it's a projector that definitely impressed me. It got highly recommended, um, and uh, yeah, it, I think people who saw it were impressed. Certainly, the people people that I was with I was with were impressed. They don't show 3D because. Let's face it, nobody's interested in bloody 3D anymore. I don't, think he, I don't think he can get it to work, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the, guy was, the guy had it on and he was going, he's putting the glasses on going, is that 3D? Is that very subtle 3D? I said, listen, mate, it's 2D. Can you not see the difference? <laughs> anyway, never mind. And then down on the third floor, there was Epson who was showing their uh, TW9200, which is their latest flagship uh, three-chip three chip LCD 3D projector, uh, which we were getting in for review on this Friday. Uh, again, look very good, very uh, big, bright, detailed images. Um, so, but that's it. That was it as far as the. Oh, and there was also a uh, demonstration of the LG uh, 4K TV, the uh, LA970, against their 55 inch OLED TV, the EA980, both again of which we've reviewed. Um, we didn't give a badge to the uh, to the 4K, a bit disappointed with that one, but obviously the, the EA980 review went up last week and that got a reference status. It was a spectacular. And obviously in the, in the demo, you could clearly see that the native blacks on the on the OLED were vastly superior to the to the uh, 4K TV. Obviously with 4K content, you had the higher resolution, but what it did show is that the further back you went in the room, the less resolution was really an issue. Um, in fact, at the very back of the room, it was different. You, you couldn't really even tell when it was a DVD that was up there. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show that uh, 4K is all well and good, but if you're sat away from the TV, you're not, it's not going to make a lot of difference. And that was it, as far as as far as vision goes at the show. Over to you, Ed. Well, I'm not going to recite everything that was there for audio because there was a fair amount. I am going to 
disagree with Steve as a strong a strong term because I, I don't necessarily didn't come away seeing anything where I thought I need to own that. But I was slightly encouraged by the fact that turnout was apparently up on previous years. And also, and I was only sort of beginning to realise this when I was comparing notes with some colleagues on the train home and the following day, the actual audience that turned up uh, was younger than I remember. It had ladies in it, which came as a genuine surprise, some of which were clearly not there through coercion. I need to point that out as well. And I don't know. It's what not necessarily great news for, for the, the, the sort of further progress of 4K, but Two Channel is slowly becoming sort of slightly more relevant to more people again, which is sort of pleasing. Um, I mean, one interesting one is you, Steve goes, oh, Sony weren't there. They were. They didn't bring a television or anything, you know, sort of loutish or uncouth. They had a two-channel demonstration, and that's the first time I can remember Sony doing a two-channel demonstration since 2003, 2004. There's margin in it. So, there's people buying it. There's people interested. So, Ed, are you saying that people are, are there for £120,000 statement equipment, or are they there for headphones and wireless speakers and Bluetooth speakers and that kind of thing? They're actually for something in between. Um, the ludicrously expensive products, and obviously, yeah, Name had brought the statement. There was a clear audio turntable on one of the floors, which um, looked like a piece of, uh, you know, sort of heavy engineering, and I believe is, is a six-figure price tag. But most of the equipment was sort of more was, was, was within those considerable extremes. And, uh, I th you know, I think people are looking at streaming solutions. They're looking at... Uh, methods of getting sound into more than one room without sort of wired installation and other another messiness, and um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, they are effectively, you know, sort of developing a bit of interest in that. So you know, I I I, w I was guardedly positive, uh, and it must be said, you just mentioned the name statement. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll choose my words carefully. Name scored a bit of an own goal here because the demo that they gave to press on the Friday. Was I, I found this out having now spoken to other people who went to the normal Dems, was an order of magnitude more feeble than the demonstration they were actually giving members of the public. Uh, the ones that the public had were louder. It featured music that, you know, had sort of bass and other exciting things. When I was, you know, when I was members of the press were all parked in there, they played four completely irrelevant pieces of music at Kitten's Breath volume. So it made no odds whether they had 700 watts or 7 watts. Consi was... Considering there was a quarter of a million pounds worth of equipment in front of us, Ed, it was woefully it was <laughs> unimpressive. Utterly, un utterly uninspiring. <laughs> and what's bizarre is that members of the public got, you know, all sorts of stuff. They got, you know, stuff with bass and, and drive and attack. And so actually you've got this weird situation where you've got members of the public going, yeah, that was really good. And you've got journos going, mm -hmm, I don't get it at all. Um, also, I will say just as a side, it was the first Bristol show in nine years where I bought something. What did you buy? I bought a small piece of a turntable. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of a turntable. <laughs> yeah. Had it what, a little wire. <laughs> No, no, no. It's actually it's, it's got a vaguely phallic noise. I bought a replacement thrust bearing from the Michel <laughs> deck. And what's more phallic than a thrust bearing? So there, yes. Okay. I look forward to receiving it early in, early in March. It'll be a lovely day. I didn't actually buy anything uh, at the show, but I bought something as a result of the show, which was a popcorn maker. 
Uh, someone, I was talking with somebody about popcorn and I was saying I don't really like it because it tastes like cardboard. And he said, yeah, but it's, it's a great snack when you're watching movies because obviously, you know, if you don't smother it in butter and caramel or anything like that, it's quite healthy and it's not fattening. And I thought, that's a bloody good point. And I watch a lot of films. So got a with a lid. <laughs> no, no, I bought one of those ones of you where you pop it in and it oh, uses right. hot air, hot air one to make uh, popcorn. Oh, well, that, so that'll suit you then. I've also got one of those and I've never put a single piece of sweet corn in it. I use it for roasting coffee beans. It's absolutely superb for that. Oh, well, I've got my um, my Nespresso machine for my coffee. So uh, yes, anyway, so anyway, yeah, so popcorn, next time I watch a movie, I'll have some popcorn, it'll be great. We'll be talking about <laughs> snacks in what well, you're going to put popcorn between two pieces of bread, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about that in more detail later, but that was right. my purchase off the back of the Bristol Show popcorn maker. Right, okay, so attendance was up, was a bit more of a mixed crowd, but still wasn't anything really fantastic to see. And on the vision side, it looks like we've reviewed everything that was on show. We literally I think had it's, it's unfortunate for us press, for, for, I think for press, because for video, you guys have seen it all before at CES. Um, for audio, some of it had been seen at CES. Some of it, uh, um, you know, obviously dates back to Munich the year before, where literally, you know, everything is, is 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 present, and you can do some more meaningful comparisons. But I I think there were some good offers on for people who were interested in buying things. And as I say, I think for for two channel, it, it's coming out of being just a sort of old person sport. I was quite encouraged by the makeup of the, of the people in the rooms and interacting with the rooms. And I, you know, I, I, I take some, some positivity away from that. Okay, cool. So that is a Bristol Sound and Vision show. I'm sure some of our listeners uh, attended that as well over the weekend. So if you did and you have any highlights or demos that you really enjoyed, uh, then add them to the bottom of this podcast in the podcast forum. Uh, Can I just, just finish off by saying, just from the last podcast, I did see my nemesis. He was there, regular <laughs> Brilliant. Did any uh, members come up and say hello to you, Ed? Um, no, no member of AV forums. I, I was, I was, I, accosted. I, I, was acc- I was accosted by someone who violently disagreed with a review I did elsewhere. Did they recognise the jacket? Ten minutes, no, I don't know. It was ten minutes of my life, I'll never get back. Sweating bullets in that massive leather coat. It was pretty hot in there. I was fine because I am too cool for school. And also I look awesome in that coat, so well, I had a couple of guys say hello to me on the Friday and a couple of guys say hello on Saturday, but uh, yes, I wasn't exactly mobbed. With a nice looking. Well, you do look like your avatar, so you're easy to spot. <laughs> <laughs> Bald with a funny-shaped head. Have I got a funny-shaped head? Well, we didn't want to see this ending, Steve. <laughs> what a way to find out. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, to wrap up on Home Cinema News, Love Hill merges with Amazon Prime. This is uh, really sort of kicked off a lot of debate on the forums, Mark. Sorry, I'm spitting cocktail out of my mouth. Um, that's, not, that's not the recipe either. Um, I'm, sat down, I'm sat downstairs and some just, she just never leaves me alone. She just parades up and down. Right, okay. Yeah, um, Thursday, I think, Friday, I think, um, got a communique through from Amazon um, announcing their plans to launch two separate services. Uh, uh, sorry, merge two separate services. Uh, which is Amazon Prime and Love Film Instant into uh, Prime Instant Video. For those that don't know, uh, Amazon Prime basically gives you guaranteed next day delivery on anything you order through them uh, and access to about half a million Kindle books to borrow. Love Film is just uh, a streaming service similar to one whose name we shall not mention for now. That will cost you five ninety nine a month. Do, uh, so, do they not do a disc delivery system? They do well? do a disc delivery system as well, but this isn't 
this isn't part of the deal. So right. this is so instant, this is on demand only. So is this uh, what's caused a lot of issues then, or confusion? Yeah, this, is, this has caused a lot of confusion with those who've got, who've got um, anything other than the streaming deal. Um, we can break that down a bit later on. Um, but yeah, they, they, they actually end up paying about a pound less a month, I think it turns out, from the discussions and uh, forum members contacting Amazon. So if you're on a disc deal, you'll end up on paying about a pound less a month. Um, Amazon... Amazon Prime, before this, well, the merger happens uh, as the podcast comes out on the 26th uh, of Feb. Um, Amazon Prime, prior to this, cost you £49 a year. Uh, and uh, Love Film is um, £5.99 a month, I believe. So Amazon are putting the prices up to the Amazon Prime, which will include the video, so it's Prime Instant Video, to £79 a year. So this is a good or a bad thing, depending on where, on where, you, when you, where you're coming from. £49 a year for your Amazon Prime. If you use Amazon two or three deliveries a month, it kind of pays for itself. I mean, I had it for a while. And it, was, it was an excellent service. I've, I've uh, actually got it. Do I get the instant video then? Yeah, you'll get that until you until until your uh, your Prime runs out for nothing. Oh, sure so that'll roll up. That'll roll up into your account. And then thereafter, you'll be forced to pay £79 a year. There is no opt-out for the video. Um, so some, some customers are going to be slightly miffed that they're being charged £30 a year for something they may not want. Uh, on the other hand, if you did want them both, you are saving quite a considerable amount of money. Yeah, so it, yeah. it works out even at full price, it's six pound fifty-eight a month or something like that for the two services combined. Um, so it's it's not a great deal if you look at it as, as a monthly cost. Uh, and they were also running an offer, which is going to be probably too late for anyone getting the podcast unless they're very fast. Uh, it's forty-nine pounds a year for the whole lot, which is seriously tempting me back in. Because I was willing to pay Prime forty nine pounds a year. I pay for love for money. Anyway. I may as well just, I may as well just so get. So basically, those. if you just start doing Amazon Prime today or tomorrow, um, before Wednesday, which is when this podcast goes up, then you'll automatically become the full service the follow on 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 the Wednesday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah get the full thing. I, I mean, my, my wife's got a Kindle as well, so really, it's looking more and more attractive the more I look at it. Actually, <laughs> I think that's not a bad deal. Actually, to be honest, I'm, I've, I've got Prime anyway, and now I've got Love Film to go with it. Is Love Film any good? <laughs> Never actually. Been um, into well, Love it's, Film. It, yeah, it's, it's got some oh, decent exclusives. Like it's Vikings. got Vikings. There you go. Yeah, the season one's all there, and season two begins on Friday, uh, as it happens. Oh, so yeah, it's, you, you're even for a treat there. I, oh, you like you like actually. that Steve Lodge, a buff man and. Half naked. All greased up. You'll love it. You will. It's just it's right up your street. Lots of uh, gratuitous <laughs> violence as well. We don't In, think I got my uh, alley. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's that's the deal, basically. So, you, you pay your money and you take your choice, as it were. Quite attractive to me. Uh, not not so to others, it appears, from uh, forum members' comments. Sorry, I was just trying to make out who's doing the typing in the background. Stop now. I was doing my scroll wheel. Did they're, you hear me scroll wheeling? Stop now. <laughs> I was muted. <laughs> you always are muted. <laughs> yeah, you're not paying attention. No, I'm eating. What are you eating, Mark? Oh, I've just had a couple of digestives, actually. I, I didn't, <laughs> it's I not really eating, afterwards. is it? That's just that's snacking. Well, what do I do with it? I shall snack. No, you say I'm going to eat the biscuits. You dunk it, then you could eat it quite quietly in the background. <clears throat> I don't have a cup of tea with me. Uh, you kind of you dunk digestives. Biscuit and I have a cup of tea. <laughs> No, it's, mad, it's madness. Digesters are less than five seconds. The last if you dunk them, it's got, you got to use hobnobs. Hobnobs. Oh, hob, no, hobnobs. A rich tinger biscuit. A rich tea doesn't last half a second. It goes. It's rich tea. It's not even a dunking biscuit. You're leaving it in too long if it goes. You've got to. It's all about timing. Everything. Life's the reaction is to get it out before it melts. <laughs> 
Oh, but a bourbon, then you can dip a bourbon in that. Be quite bourbon nice. works. Yeah, but then bourbon you get the chocolatey, the chocolatey bit melts around the rim of your cup and you get it yeah. on the lips. The trouble is you want the, the creamy stuff in Nobody the middle of the bourbon to get really rim. warm. Nobody wants a chocolatey rim, eh? So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't eat biscuits. That was about as much as I could could, could give to this particular... You topic. don't eat biscuits. Yeah, I've sugar, seen you, Are sugar, you sure you don't eat biscuits? No, I'm entirely savoury in alcohol to reach this. I, I mean, sugar is just alcohol in potential. That's all it is. Just, um, but no biscuits whatsoever? I don't really have a sweet tooth, no. So it's all just pork scratchings and beer, is it? Pretty much. I'm sorry, but that's almost like serial killer territory for me. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't drink tea. I'll, I'll eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yeah. Well, at least uh, it's not got biscuits, is it? Yeah, you know. <laughs> so no sweet tooth whatsoever? No cake or anything like that? Because I don't like cake. Um, I have a soft spot for extra strong mints and materials. Extra well, that's strong that's right. mints. I just don't. I've you not feed them to horses. You can, you can do whatever you like. <laughs> you know, I, it's not. It's not. I'm not happy in a car unless I've got at least some form of mint with me. So if if you only eat mints, you don't eat biscuits or cake, then you must love your food, Ed. I do. I know. I. I mean, also, it, it doesn't help that for years and years and years, even though I'm I'm happily married, I, my wife and I didn't eat the same food. So I mean, I lost all sense of portion control. Every night was my own private exercise of man versus food. Um, you know, that, that's why I've achieved the impressive dimensions I have. No, I, I honestly, uh, sh- sugar is 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 not. I mean, let's face it. If I did have a sweet tooth, the fire brigade would be winching me out of a room. <laughs> So it's probably just as well. So there we go. Uh, that is the Home Cinema News. Come back in a sec for Games News. Right, so Games News, Mark. Um, the first one, Xbox One price cut. Is this because it's not selling? Uh, in short, yes. Well, it's not selling in, in, you know, in comparison to the PS4. So obviously something was needed, but it's also um, they're dropping it down to three nine nine. This will be f- from February the twenty eighth onwards. But they're also announcing a Titanfall bundle. So that's that's going to be one of those like with the day one edition, while stocks last. But you wouldn't be surprised to see it come on, you know, a little bit longer than that. See extra stock come about because three nine nine with Titanfall, that's putting it very much in, you know. PS4 territory in terms of what you're getting there. If you consider the fact that a lot of a lot of the games are around the fifty pound mark, you know you can you can pick a few up for forty pounds, but it's certainly in comparison to where the PS4 is, it makes it very very tempting. Um, and of course, the Microsoft have got some form with it. The uh, this kind of thing, the original Xbox dropped hundred pounds. That was just a month after that launch because that wasn't selling. Um, so yeah, it, it's the UK is kind of a, a probably quite a key territory for microsoft it's kind of seen as a, a perhaps a bit of an extension of the u.s it was, territory it was the second largest for the 360 wasn't it yeah exactly and and the i think the problem is is that they've just kind of misread why that was thinking that it was because people liked the microsoft product as opposed to the fact that for a large amount of time they were immeasurably cheaper than the competition yeah. which is you know the uk market usually goes with what's the cheapest console uh, but no, this is a really, really kind of smart move. It's very kind of aggressive. Uh, a lot of people thought that it would take a long time for them to 
eat any kind of humble pie and drop that price below £400 because that anything over 400 automatically looks exorbitant. 399 even though you know, you're know you a pound away, it still seems like you're getting a better deal. And as, as soon as you bundle a game in there as well, and I think it's coming with um, with a, a gold subscription as well. I don't know how so, long uh, that's Yeah, still. I can say how long is that? Well, it says I, that's I didn't... Live gold, but if that's 12 months and it, it really is starting to become a, a you know, really good buy. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it, I... I I'm assuming that they wouldn't just pop in like the 14 day version or something like that. Um, perhaps it'll be three months, but whatever it is, it, it's it's certainly everything chips away and makes it a, a better deal. And as soon as they've got that that killer app, as soon as Titan falls out, you know, it's it's well, it'll open up round two of console wars in this country. And what about if you bought this on day one? Are you getting any kind of rebate on any games or anything like that, or is it tough luck? It's tough luck. In short, um, no, no, I, as far as I know, absolutely no scheme, no plans to, to go ahead and kind of reward um, people who bought it day one. But there again, I haven't heard too much kind of consternation from people who, who did buy it and who got certainly the ones with the day one edition where if they got, you know, FIFA bundled in or anything like that, then I don't think they're that bothered. You know, it, it, it's not knocking such a monumental amount off the price. Um but yeah, as soon as you add in that game, it, if you can get one of the Titanfall bundles, then it'll look a really, really appealing prospect. I will say it's kind of turning me towards it again. That's my, my constant toing and froing with which ones to buy next. Well, we mentioned the PS4. It's just launched in Japan. I'm surprised at this one. Why the delay, Mark? Um, in short, because they wanted uh, to basically put all the units out in the markets where they would actually be competing with someone. You know, this is the the first time for a PlayStation product where it's it's launched in its in its home territory last, which seems amazing that it, you know, it comes out in say Latin America before Japan. But the point is is that they're actually competing against people elsewhere in the world. Whereas, you know, with Microsoft basically not bothering and kind of seeding Japan, then, you know, they why would you bother plumbing, you know, all the units that you've you've got considering they've now said that there should be free supply in the uk by april so it's still you know that's pushing to six months where it's been kind of you know strained supply lines to to get one of these um you know why would you even bother putting them into your home territory where you know you're going to win ultimately i mean console sales in japan are kind of dwindling in comparison to handheld markets um but again yeah just because there is no competition there there's nothing to fight against Okay, is that it for games? No, well, I, I thought you might have discussed Xbox One. They're gonna fix the PAL TV stutter. Anyone vaguely interested? Yeah, because I, I, because I, I, I want to know how they're gonna do it. That's what I, I, you know, you are more technically minded than me, so someone well, can gonna, explain this to me. I guess they're gonna check. Well, they, don't, they haven't actually said exactly what they're gonna do. They just said they're gonna fix it. So, <laughs> um, I guess they'll just the UI will just switch to to fifty hertz. Knowing Microsoft, you might want to with, with, reserve judgment until they actually do something and then see what they've done. My guess is when the when you're snapping from a TV to a to a sorry a game to TV, it'll switch it'll switch to 50 hertz, and you'll probably get a message. They'll probably say, right, do you want to switch to 50 hertz for broadcast, and then and then do that, and then the same when you're switching back to a game. And it won't so, be that seamless. It can't be. It won't be that seamless. There will be a, a, at least half a second, a fraction of a second, as it as it does it. Yeah, because I was going to say that would mean that they'd have to change also the kind of overlay, you know, the menus and that kind of thing to change to 50 hertz as well. Yeah, that's which I think been... they'll, have, they'll absolutely have to do that to make it work. 
And I think there'll be the both options. Well, it, it'll run at sixty and fifty, but when you've got TV on, it will run at fifty. That's my guess. Okay. So on that wild speculation, that wraps up the games news for this week. Come back in a sec when we discuss movie news. Wild speculation. Informed. Educated yeah. guesswork. <laughs> educated guesswork, at the very least. <laughs> no, it came from Hodgkinson. Is wild. That no, was wild as a guess. <laughs> Right, so movie news, and uh, we're going to start on a sad piece of news. It's just broken this evening as we're recording the podcast. Steve, you want to tell us all about it? Yeah, sadly, Harold Ramis has died at the age of 69. Um, Harold Ramis, who, who, of course, wrote Animal House, uh, Caddyshack, Stripes, um, Groundhog Day. He also directed Groundhog Day. I think he co-wrote uh, Ghostbusters with Dan Aykroyd. I uh, was in Ghostbusters as well. Um, you know, I mean, this is one of the, a comedy legend, frankly, a comedy cinema legend. Uh, Animal House is an absolute masterpiece. It's one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Groundhog Day is genuinely a masterpiece. I think it is an absolutely brilliant film. I mean, a lot of people have, have kind of said that Harold Ramis really made Bill Murray as, as a star. And I think that's, that's true to a certain extent. And I think to a certain extent, Bill Murray resented that for most, for, you know, for the rest of Harold Ramis's life. They actually fell out massively when they were shooting Groundhog Day and, and really didn't talk again since until very recently when it became clear that Harold Ramis was very ill. And I think uh, Murray went to see him and make up. But um, yeah, a, a real loss. Um, there have been rumours going f- around for years now about a, a third Ghostbusters movie. Um, uh, originally with the original cast, and then they were talking about maybe having the original cast in it initially and then bringing in a younger cast, people like Seth Rogen. I think we were talking about this last week, actually, weren't we? Um, well, no, you and, and I were talking about it over lunch on Friday. We were talking about Hal Ramis on Friday, weren't we? Yes. Uh, that's right. It was you I was talking to about. It's just it's a strange coincidence. But, just, um, just a point to our listeners that we are on message literally all the time. Uh, anyway, the, you know, he, the, the news broke today just as we were about to record this. Um, and yeah, it's sad. 69, 69 is not, not old these days. That's pretty young. Um, and the guy was still quite active until recently. He directed a number of episodes of The Office, the American version of The Office. Uh, he directed the remake of Bedazzled. He directed Analyze This and Analyze That. So, um, you know, he was, he was still a very, he was also did some performances too. He was in Knocked Up as um, Seth Rogen's father. And uh, yeah, that's, it's sad. It's very sad. So um, I didn't realise, actually, I have to be honest, I, Philistine moment, I didn't realise he was responsible for as much as that. But um, Egon Spengler is just a fantastic yeah. character. I've always yeah. loved that. And that will, will be, I have to say, for better or worse, that will always be what Harold Ramis was for me. And um, no, I think that's a tremendous shame. And I just hope that we didn't, we didn't curse him by simply discussing <laughs> him over food in Bristol. Yeah, it was um, all because of you and Steve. Hang your definitely. heads in shame. Uh, right, so before we have any more depressing uh, stuff from Steve, let's move over to Mark for his Evie snack recipe. Um, well, I didn't really know where to pitch this. All I know about the, the uh, my fellow podcasters is that uh, Phil can manage a spag ball, Steve can make a cup of coffee, Mark snacks endlessly, it seems, uh, and Ed's family cook turkeys on a barbecue so we'll start off simple uh, and we'll go for a pizza a very quick pizza without having to really do anything uh, on a pita bread or pita breads and just uh, it takes a can of tomatoes uh, a couple of cloves of garlic uh, a squidge of tomato puree into a blender whiz that up stick it on top of a, a pita bread um, obviously you'll need some cheese 
or if you don't like cheese, you can leave the cheese out. And then just you go wild with the toppings. So uh, maybe some ham and some mushrooms. Stick it under the grill for five minutes. Bingo. Pizza in five minutes. I'm hungry now. Yeah, I'm hungry now. <laughs> I was hungry before. We and then you take five minutes. And how about, actually, to go with that, some chips that will take 15 minutes to cook. This is without fry. This is healthy chips. So um, just chop it's up a that, bit. Not interesting. Honestly, no, they're just as good as out of a deep fry, fry I, I promise you. Um parboil your, your chipped potatoes for about three or four minutes only uh, have your oven heating up to absolute maximum so you gas parboil the potatoes in chip form or do you parboil the potatoes yeah in, in chip, chip form up? in chip form right, okay. yeah just can dry you remind out. me what parboiling is just boil Stop. for like three three or four yeah. minutes mark yeah if that, you don't want them floppy or soft you want to be still firm <laughs> just so you yeah. just <laughs> yeah. a nice firm chip you have to be erect <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, um, then uh, you, you keep, put your baking tray in the oven on max uh, and then chuck in your potatoes. Just drizzle, like literally drizzle. A teaspoon of oil would do, oh, I don't know, a good, a good couple of portions. Give them a shake, whack them in the top of the oven. After 10 minutes, just flick them over. And then five, six minutes after that, you've got some really crispy, tasty chips. Sprinkle of salt, eat it with your pizza, off you go. I don't want to do the rest of the podcast. I'm starving now. <laughs> Can, yeah, we, can we get on with this, please? Because I've got to eat some food pretty soon. I just always envisaged you lot piled with biscuits. Is this not the case? <laughs> oh, that's what I, I really eat. I had a Kit Kat, but I ate it before we started. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't wait. Four fingers or two. <laughs> <laughs> it was the full four fingers, yeah. I have got some Dutch larger cheese. I might have a little nibble of that in a minute. I was going to ask for a pizza, <laughs> pizza rate waiting downstairs. So, Because uh, I had to make, the... make my wife's one before the podcast, and then I make my own one afterwards. So, uh... How much washing up is there after this uh, recipe, Mark? Virtually none. Blender, but stick it in the stick it in the oven. Stick it in the oven. Melt it. And when the house burns down, you've got nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to worry about. Oh, just, oh you just you just go and buy another blender that's clean. They're, they're uh, the Howard Hughes approach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can eat off a paper plate as well. So that was uh, Mark's recipe. Uh, what did you think, Mark? But right, Mark's out of ten. Uh, I like it. Um, I like the fact that it's flexible. It's quick. I like the fact that I can use my own variety of cheese. Um, yep, I'll give it a solid 7 out of 10. I'll give it a 7. Your own variety of cheese. Yeah, what, what have you got a particular favourite then, Mark? Uh, I, I like a red hot Dutch. What about the cheese? <laughs> I am on the search for the hottest cheese. Um, red hot Dutch is as close as I've got. Dutch um, doesn't, doesn't melt. Is it like you don't chilli in it? Mark, why? Why? When you can essentially, when we're talking about something, especially in the context of making a pizza topping, yeah. you can either add chilli to the blended tomatoes, uh, and that gives you a very consistent, uniform heat. And also, you can vary it depending on whether you use girly man chilies or Naga vipers, or you can apply chilli or other heat-based toppings on top of the cheese. The cheese itself doesn't require any form of Scoville rating at all. It's a, it's an irrelevance. You you can cheese is effectively you, an adhesive, isn't it? The whole the whole bloody thing together. Well, there is an element of that, certainly. Well, it helps know. together without the cheese, to be fair. It's not, yeah, it's not the same. It's not really a pizza without cheese. If you no, haven't got the cheese on it, it's more like a more like a bruschetta. Yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't got the cheese on, some people don't like. Well, cheese. I'm not. I, on yeah, pizza, a bit of Monterey Jack in there, or a bit of uh, mozzarella. Brilliant. Just some pe- people in general don't like cheese. I know quite Isn't Monterey Jack that day glow stuff that appears in American themed burger restaurants? 
It shouldn't it just be yellowy with red flecks? Oh, it's yeah. cheese, but uh, it's quite a tasty cheese. Oh, Christ, that cheese I had on that chili dog in Vegas, that wasn't a f***ing cheese. Uh, oh, that was disgusting. <laughs> That's yeah. no move. Why, oh, you, that why was you got disgusting. that when you were already ill is beyond me. <laughs> well, it was the, never going to have a happy ending, was it? What I should have asked for was a chili dog, not a chili che- a cheese chili dog or whatever it was. I think that actually had dog in it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> It, was, it, it looked like it looked like no cheese I've ever seen in my life. Squirty oh, cheese. They have, they have cheese that you can oh, squirt. Yeah, it was that squirty yeah, stuff. Oh, that isn't cheese. Oh, it's disgusting. Uh, Steve marks it a ten for uh, marks. I'll give that. I'll, I'll give that cheeky eight because uh, what I like about it is the flexibility. I can I can have my own toppings. I can I can mix them mix and match it. I can have a different thing every night. I watch a lot of films, so I need a lot of variety, and and that gives me that option. Okay. Wrap them up in the fridge if you want, and keep them for a couple of days. Just have your base, and and. Uh, have your pit pitters and bass in there, then just go wild with the topping, Steve. There you go, Phil. You can make you thirty of them on Monday morning. I, I'm actually, I'm actually not a big pizza fan, to be honest. Ed, what do you? Uh, I'm going to start with a seven, and I may amend my score depending on how successful I find completed results when made by my own less than fair hand. Okay, and uh, there's a Domino's just down the road from me, so that's me sorted. <laughs> God, is, is it not just cheaper and tastier to eat five pound notes? <laughs> that was a joke, Ed. That was a joke. I'll stick to my Sorry, homemade. I made a major grudge against Domino's. I'll stick you don't to my like homemade... Domino's. You don't like don't biscuits. Understand. What's going on here? How you carry all the grudges, Ed? You know that? Charge... Yes, I know. I've got a big list. <laughs> How can you possibly charge that much money for pizza? I mean, ambitious isn't the word, and it's not even good pizza. It's lovely. It's the meteor is good. Oh, the no, little no, meatballs on it. Oh, are they the ones that put hot dogs in the in the crust? So they do. No. Have yes, they do. Yes, they do. They do have, they? Yeah, you yeah. can have that. That's not like. the meteor, though, is it? I don't. No, know. no, no. We, you, you choose what crust you want. You can have stuffed crust or hot dog crust or cheesy crust or whatever you like. And all you have to do is pay as much as you would for real food. Yeah, it's bloody expensive. <laughs> Just appalling. And uh, we'd like to welcome our new podcast sponsors, Domino's. <laughs> 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 they outbid Netflix. <laughs> oh, you said it. I can see that working actually. As a, as a, <laughs> you know, people who watch a lot of a you know AV enthusiasts watch a lot of films at home. I think they probably order a lot of pizzas in. If I'm being honest, I don't want to discriminate against Phil here, but if any any listener happens to work for a major European brewery, um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm open to personal sponsorship, even if you don't. <laughs> did, did we not agree on Friday that we need to do more uh, more podcasts whilst drunk? <laughs> that obviously wasn't for entertainment value that was just to get through the thing <laughs> I already do one a week it's a bit of both these days uh, right okay well thanks very much for your recipe Mark um, and keep us posted on now should we do this weekly or bi-weekly uh, in keeping oh. with uh, Steve and Steve let's do it bi-weekly okay well it'll be bi-weekly whenever Mark's on the podcast if that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> we, we so it won't be bi-weekly it'll be whenever Mark's on the podcast yeah basically whenever Mark's on the right, podcast after turn up. We, we... <laughs> by the time he turns up next Soylent Green will be the order of the day so. <laughs> uh, anyway thanks for the recipe uh, any of our listeners uh, want to uh, ask Mark some questions when it comes to snacks or even uh, full-blown meals uh, you want to entertain the other half or make up for a Navy purchase that you tried to sneak past her then uh, Send us an email to podcast.avforums.com or leave it in the podcast feedback area and uh, we'll put the question to Mark uh, on future podcasts. Right, so let's go for a pee. Steve, what's at the cinema? 
Well, this week I went to go and see two films, one of which I have to admit actually opened the week before. It opened in time for uh, the half-term holidays. But uh, I'd heard such good things about it, I thought, you know, I've got to check it out. And, and actually Mark Hodgkinson can chime in on this one because he's also, I know he's seen it as well. Yay, I went Lego. to go and see the Lego movie. And I've got to say, it was brilliant. Isn't it? <laughs> it was really, really good. Uh, it's written, it's made, it's written directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who who made, I mean, we mentioned this last week. They made Cloudy with Chance Meatballs, which I thought was a great film, very funny, charming um, they also made 21 Jump Street, which, again, surprised me because I was thinking, like, you know, a film version of an 80s cop show that most famous basically for having Johnny Depp in it. And in fact, actually, it was really funny, really well cast with Jonah Hill and uh, Chain Tatum. And again, a really great movie. Now they've made this. They've just made 22 Jump Street, which is the sequel coming out, uh, I think, in the summer. Uh, so they're on a bit of a roll. And I've got to say, the Lego, I mean, because you think about the Lego movie, you're thinking, okay, this is basically going to be a big advert for Lego. And yeah, in this film, which is inherently a big advert for Lego, it's full of really cutting asides against consumerism, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, a running joke about coffee costing about $30, which is really funny. Um, the whole plot basically is about, you know, the president business, so big business effectively, you know, suppressing the little person within, and, and everyone, everyone conforming, and all singing along to that song as everything is awesome. Yeah, uh, it was really, really clever and really funny. There's a bit when the Millennium Falcon turns up that is absolutely hysterical with um, Lando Calrissian trying to chat up the girl, which is voiced by Billy Dee Williams. Um, it's really brilliant. Um, there's obviously it's a Warner Brothers movie, so there's, um, I mean, obviously Star Wars is now a Disney. Um, franchise but because it's a warner's movie there's like batman in it superman was voiced by channing tatum there's um uh, wonder woman <laughs> there's um uh there's loads of cameos aren't there there's, yeah there's, uh, well basically Gan- gandalf they, 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 was another one yeah gandalf turns up um and dumbledore uh yeah. basically all the little characters that they've done for because I, I guess for a lot of kids uh lego isn't building bricks that it would be for us probably when we were children a lot of kids experience legos as a video game these days yeah. So, so they're, they're sort of, and their appreciation of, of Lego is probably slightly different than it is maybe for us who, who associate it with, with building bricks. But yeah, the, the, I mean, the concept of the film, the basic story, the idea behind it, it's, it's really sweet. It's really funny. It's very clever and smart. There's plenty of jokes in there for adults as well as the kids. Uh, and I would absolutely recommend it thoroughly to anyone who wants a really good fun. For, I saw it in 2D. Did you see it in 2D as well, Mark? Yeah, 2D. I took yeah. the kids. Um, I had to take the kids to get in, but I, you know, I'll quite happily watch it on my own. <laughs> it looks gorgeous as well, doesn't it? it yeah, yeah, it does look it. Absolutely it's splendid. Actually... Smile. I just had a smile on my face from from the minute it started. It just looks and, and sounds wonderful. And, yeah, it is say, CG, loads. but it's yeah. CG animated to make it look like it's top motion animated Lego pieces. It's very clever. It's very, very well made. Very good. Uh, highly recommended, basically. I give that an 8 out of 10. That's surprising, um, that, because I've heard a lot of negativity about this movie. From whom? Oh, lots of uh, lots of different areas. My wife wasn't keen, but equally a number of my friends on Facebook were. And um, not forgetting that it's also directed firmly at children. Most children who I have interacted with who've been see it say that they quite like it as well. So... My kids loved it, absolutely loved it. If I can get my well, my five-year-old to sit still for however long, an hour and a half, it's a miracle, and she did. She sat there and watched the whole thing. So no better testament than that for, as far as I'm concerned. And I do feel compelled to leap in and defend. Lego is expensive because it is immortal. It's very hard to destroy Lego in any meaningful sense of the word. So it's priced with a view that, broadly speaking, it doesn't wear out. I mean, I, I'm going to be completely honest. Obviously, my boy's far too small for Lego at the moment, but... I don't necessarily need to buy any more Lego because all of my Lego is still 
completely and utterly intact and ready to simply be handed over to him. I never saw the appeal when I was a kid. I did not like. I love Lego. making Lego stuff. That's great. Lego, Lego. I should I should point out that a special mention goes to Liam Neeson, that comedy god who who plays good cop bad cop in it. It's really funny. But they, they missed a they missed a really obvious joke, didn't they, Mark? Because there's a whole thing with this um, with basically glue, and it's called the craggle. This is yeah. basically crazy glue, but there's bits of words missing. It's a bit like Vija in Star Trek. So it craggle. But at one point, someone says, release the craggle. It should have been Liam Neeson who said it, because he obviously says it in Clash of the yeah. Time. Uh, it's got a great voice cast. It's very funny. It's very well made. It looks great. Um, and uh, yeah, no, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I also went to go and see the film I was actually meant to be seeing. I, I, the reason I saw Lego Movie in 2D was because it timed in with A New York Winter's Tale, which was afterwards. That opened uh, this week. A New Winter's Tale, it's actually called Winter's Tale in America. It's based on a book called Winter's Tale. I'm assuming the reason it's called A New York Winter's Tale in this country so we don't confuse it with A Winter's Tale by William Shakespeare. Uh, I guess that's not so much of an issue in the States. Or that David um, Essex song. Oh, David Essex song, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, New it's basically uh, it's based on the book by Mark Halprin, which I read. I read back in the 80s because there's a song by the Waterboys called Beverly Penn, who was one of the characters in the book. Uh, and I really like the song, so I've read the book. Uh, and I can see it obviously quite inf- heavily influenced Mike Scott's lyrics in that sort of 83, 84 period of, of the Waterboys. Um, it's a long book and it's pretty unfilmable, in my opinion, as this film largely proves. There are times when you can say stuff in it, you can do stuff in a book because you don't have to actually show it. As soon as you have to show it in a film, it becomes a little bit silly. In the, in the film, the story is essentially um, a fairy story about um, undying love, effectively. There's a, a flying horse in it. There's lots of various aspects that you can get away with in the context of a book. But once you have to show them literally on screen, uh, start to look a bit silly, uh, which is a shame because it, it, it was a film I really wanted to like. But I, I just sat there and thought, if you haven't read the book, you're not going to have a clue what's going on in this because there's a lot of stuff's condensed. The basic plot involves a character called Peter Lake, which is who's played by um, by Colin Farrell. He's uh, kind of a, a bit of a, he's a burglar, basically. He's robbing a house, thinks it's empty, finds out that there's a girl in it called Beverly Penn, um, and he almost immediately falls in love. Now, Beverly's dying of consumption, which is a point that's made from the very beginning when she meets him, so it's not like a plot spoiler. So, yeah, they fall in love. Um, he's being chased by a character called Pearlie Soames, who is basically a demon played by Russell Crowe, who is hamming it up something chronic in this film. He's got an Irish accent that is actually worse than his, not- his Nottingham accent in Robin Hood, which I didn't think was possible. You'd think, given that Colin Farrell was on set, you could have given him a few tips on how to do an Irish brogue, but apparently not. He, he sounds ludicrous in it. There's a, a white horse, which is uh, basically a spirit guide. That's the one that flies. Uh, although it's also referred to as a dog at various times by... Um, Russell Crowe's character, because I think there's um, it could be either um, in terms of the spirit guide, but it is in the form of a horse in the film. You're getting an idea of how confusing this might be. And then it jumps from 1916 to 2014. You know, if you've ever seen the film The Lake House, I love The Lake House. I think it's a great movie. Um, not a lick of sense to it at all. Basically, there's time travel involved in, in, in between um, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, which when you think about logic doesn't make any sense at all, but you just don't care because you're wrapped up in the film and you follow its basic rules. Uh, and you like the characters. You know, it doesn't make any sense when suddenly you jump from 1916 to 2014 um, and all the characters you've known up to that point suddenly just disappear because obviously you're in a different time period except for Peter Lake, who's still knocking around in 2014 and hasn't changed at all for no obvious reason. That is explained much better in the book. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's just going to become a confusing film for anyone who hasn't read the book, basically. Right, so Mark's out a 10 for that one. Uh, five. So your movie of the week is? Lego Movie. Okay, there you go. 
there you go. Go and see the Lego movie. And um, Blu-rays released this week very quickly. Uh, we've got Thor, The Dark World, One Chance, Safety Not Guaranteed, Serpico, and Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, what's worth picking up there? Um, well, Thor, The Dark World, I quite enjoyed, if you like, a bit of uh, Marvel comic book action. Um, I got the Blu-ray, I got it last week, it came early, and there's a really good little Marvel one-shot, they do like little 10-minute mini films that they put on their Blu-rays. This one involved a character um, played by Ben Kingsley from... Iron Man 3 that is actually really funny and worth seeing in itself. It's not a bad disc, uh, comedy track, extras, deleted scenes, etc. Um, one Chance I have not seen is the Paul Potts movie with, um, uh, what's his name? Corden. What's James. his first name? James Corden, thank you, yeah. James Corden. Um, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on that. Safe Not Guaranteed, I have seen a sort of Netflix about eight or nine months ago, which has just come out on Blu-ray in this country. Uh, Cass has just reviewed it. The review's just gone up. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite, quite a quirky little comedy about, possibly about time travel, or maybe Seem- not, depending Seemingly on. better watching it on Netflix and not getting the, the Blu-ray, because there's nothing on the, the Blu-ray, and the picture quality is not great. Yeah, and it's also cheaper, of course. Oh, yeah, a lot uh, cheaper. And then we've got Serpico, which is obviously um, the Al Pacino movie of nineteen seventy. I think, uh, where he plays a, a, a cop who's basically going up against a bunch of corrupt cops in New York based upon a true story. Uh, great performance by Al Pacino. Uh, fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth picking up. That review's also up. That was done by Simon last week. And then Phantom of the Paradise, which is directed by um, uh, Brian De Palma. Yeah, Brian De Palma. Uh, it's kind of a rock rock opera slash version of Phantom of the, of the Opera, obviously, but with, with rock music. Uh, it's demented and, and incredibly good fun uh if you're a department fan it's definitely worth seeing uh i think chris's review does make some really interesting points about how influential it was in later films uh and not just rocky horror picture show but other stuff and uh again his review's up and worth reading i'd probably pick thor okay so that's uh the blu-rays out this week and to wrap up the podcast uh very quickly we mentioned right back at the start our kit uh, memories of favorite audio kit video kit whatever that you've had in the past, uh, problems it's maybe caused you with relationships or maybe it's ruined relationships, uh, maybe you spent too much money, maybe you've gone bankrupt. Uh, okay, guys, uh, let's start with Steve. Uh, I probably hit all of those um, points or something. Uh, definitely um, obsessive, definitely ruined relationships, definitely spent far too much money. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've been happy. And the one bit of kit that you regret ever getting rid of? Actually, I think I think a bit like you, I regret... Now, selling my Laserdisc player. Yeah, that's mine. And my Laserdiscs. <laughs> I, I, I think it's just roast tinny specs, to be honest. Um, but I really Oh, yeah, no, I, totally. Yeah, I, I did actually yeah. put one on a couple of years ago and it looked bloody awful. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, and I also had a really nice... Uh, I used to have a really nice separate, as opposed to um, an AV receiver. I used to have a, a really nice set of Meridian, actually, um, which I really liked um, with separate amplification and everything, you know, and that, that was pretty cool. But it just took up so much space at the time when I sold it. Um, I was in Hong Kong and I couldn't really fit all this into an apartment. Um, I do miss that. You, you weren't in Hong Kong, were you? <laughs> I'll tell you, you were in Tokyo next. <laughs> well, uh, since you mentioned it, Mark. <laughs> uh, Mark Borey. <laughs> football must have picked up. <laughs> He's oh, got to no, make a pit of bread pizza. What, what, what's the score in the football? Uh, it's 2 0 to Hull. All right. You're better. And kit. arguably, both should have been disallowed, in my view. Uh, kit. I'm afraid I don't really kind of fall into any of those categories of kit ever actually getting me in trouble or anything like that. 
So I, I don't obviously don't have quite the same addiction that others have. Right. Well, that well, makes for a boring game. Must be games that you you love or. All right. Um, uh, loved loved my SNES. That's the one with the most abiding memories, simply because I think it was almost towards the end of the days of it actually consoles being uniformly reliable. You know, that thing hit the floor. It had a cat sleeping on it. Um, had the cat's creosote paw prints on it. Um, sun bleached yellow. Uh, it, it baked by a window. Uh, you know, fluff in the cart slot. Hit the floor numerous times. You could wrap the wire around the the controllers and never worry that you know the the wires inside would twist and sever. And basically, you could use it to bang in nails. And I, I look back and I still I kept. It was one of those consoles that I got rid of, and then I kept just one cartridge. You know, the favourite game, Super Return of the Jedi, is still sitting somewhere. It, not just because they were the old cardboard boxes as well. So if you kept the SNES game and the, you kept the cardboard box really well. You can't put anything on top of it. You have to keep it like in its own little plastic bag, rather sadly. <laughs> and so th- that's the one. That's the last straggler. You're starting to sound like Weathers here with his OCD. Oh, well, you don't want to get me onto how I store my comics, so <laughs> stay away from that. Uh, Hodge? Uh, I'm, it's a constant ongoing thing for me with getting so much review kit. I get in strife for uh, things not being on the same HDMI input if I've had to swap things around for ARC purposes or all that kind of stuff, or remote control, just general remote control confusion because I leave them all lying around. and My wife never really knows. She picks up the remote and she doesn't know which one she's supposed to be using <laughs> and, and what, what inputs on what. And I, I, get, I just get constant grief about that. It's just and, and deserved. How, how, how I, never, I never tell them when I've swapped things over or I just expect people to be able to pick things up. How ungrateful can they be? They get to see the latest TVs, 4K TVs, at that oh yeah she's really bothered about 4k <laughs> you should tell her that really it's a smart bothered. tv tell her it's voice rec- recognition or something <laughs> See, that doesn't they work. Well, it, it does now actually to be fair it does but it didn't in the early days of voice recognition that's a no-goer and it, uh, not many people outside of av nuts would actually spend their time talking to a telly at this stage i don't think <laughs> so yeah it's just cut it's constant i'm always in trouble for my av kit and uh, ed is final <laughs> Well, I'm going to slightly subvert it here because I'm haunted by a piece of equipment I didn't buy rather than did and let go. Because when I was working for a dealer um, in London, university job in 2000, um, a lady came in and she was trying to sell her late husband's turntable. And it was, and I mean nothing, but it was a, it's a product called a void reference turntable. And at that point in my, you know, I was relatively uh, new to the game at that point, I honestly didn't have the faintest idea what it was. And she wanted the fairly, what I felt to be the fairly ambitious sum of £300 for it. Um, And the problem is that this product has now continued to haunt me all the way through the last four or five years because it cropped up again. On, on, on another thread online because someone else had managed to buy it off her for I think he knocked it down to 250 quid so it was the same he, one sorry it was definitely the same thing same one definitely the same one the reason is without meaning to sound really 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 sad it was the only one finished in this particular finish back then it was built in the late 1980s so most of them quite unfortunately got smothered in a black ash veneer this was a, a running prototype because it was one of the guys who worked for the factory so it never had the black ash applied so it actually had this quite stylish sort of wood finish to it 
And um, this guy was selling it for uh, 3,800 quid. And it's recently just been sold again. It cropped up in January on another UK dealer's website. Again, the same turntable, same tone arm. And he got shot of it for slightly over £5,000. And <laughs> having now heard Avoid Reference, the fact that I had the opportunity to buy one for... Okay, it would have been a significant outlay as a student. But I kick myself every sodding day but, but and like every time i see the damn thing because it's within it now exists within my circle of, uh, of people i know and it just winds me up every time but uh, you, you, you kind of blame yourself for that though ed because like you, you admitted right at the start you didn't know what it was and you didn't appreciate what, what it was so why kick yourself to, to death over it well because I can't afford five grand, Phil, and it's just an. I mean, obviously, it's it's the grass a, a is always greener. A triumph of obsolete technology, but it is. It's a mag. Void turntables are a magnificent thing. Basically, if um you uh, any any forum forum, if you are uh, perusing car boot sales, deceased relatives, estates, so on and so forth, if you find a turntable which has got. Uh, it'll have a separate power supply with void v o v sorry v o y d. Um, just just make sure you hold on to those. They're worth a lot of money, a lot of money, and they are exceptionally good. Don't make the mistake I did, kids. But, but sometimes the grass isn't the greener, Ed. Sometimes you know maybe it's just you're lusting after it, and and once you have it in your possession, that. Wouldn't live up. Well, to yes, it. but at the very least, but I could then dispatch it from my possession, spend five thousand pounds on beer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's half of it, I suppose. There's nothing else. Right, time to finish um, this. You, you feel me? Well, it's my laser disc collection. It, when when I actually think about you know all the time that I spent going through shops, um, finding specialist shops, number of trips to London and Manchester that I used to make just to go and buy some laser discs. The amount of money I spent on Laserdisc players, I spent an absolute fortune and all that time and effort and all the rest of it, and, and I just got rid of it. And uh, I have a real fondness for it. It's kind of like probably Ed's fondness of, of vinyl. I have a, a fondness for that because he used to get the big gate, gatefold it's got sleeves. got magnificent interactivity. Brilliant artwork, uh, um, you know, really interesting stuff to read on the inside covers. Uh, the box sets were always beautiful. I mean, really, really nicely put together box sets. Um, it was the first time you ever got extras on stuff. So this was before DVD and all the extras. You know, it was the first time that you actually had that interactivity, chapter search, all the rest of it. And, it, and the other thing was it was a small community, a small niche of people, which made it feel that extra bit special. I mean, DVD went mainstream. mainstream. So, so it, it, it lost that appeal. It lost that special significance of you know finding that that first dts disc and making sure that your laser disc player could output the bit stream so you could listen to it on your your latest avr and you know it was, it was a tiny little community back then and it, and it felt it felt like a small community now it's it's i think it's lost all that appeal to be honest get into vinyl mate come and join us <laughs> yeah at least vinyl still sounds good 
Whereas, you yeah, can spend a fortune on it. It's as cliquey as you like. It is a <laughs> neurosis-driven exercise because it's possible to nuke an incredibly expensive record and or cartridge. I, I, and don't, or have, both. I don't have good good memories of vinyl lead. I was a DJ for ten years, and uh, it used to be the the bane of my life. All right, that's not a problem. I'll I'll let you off. It's, so it's, um, so that's our kit. That's what we our fun memories of. That's what's caused problems with our relationship. So what about you? Uh, write in and tell us. Uh, you can be as humorous as you like. You can be as honest as you like. You can also do it anonymously if you want. Um, but give us your stories. Have you snuck bits of equipment past the other half and, and managed to get away with it without noticing the bank balance was down or there's this nice shiny new bit of kit sitting in the in the living room or in your dedicated room or whatever? Um, have you gotten into debt? Have you gone bankrupt? Or has your wife walked out on you because of your AV obsession? And the other thing is, being an AV Forums member, the classified section, tell us tell us all your horror stories about how much you spent or stuff that you sold and then regretted. Um, send it in, podcast at avforums.com or leave it in the feedback section under the podcast. We'd rather you send it in via email so we can then read it out to everybody that listens and uh, perhaps surprise them with some of your, uh, no doubt, fantastic stories uh that's it for the podcast this week my thanks to steve weathers i'm sick of the high hat mark botwright i don't say that and i don't like people who do mark hodgkinson <laughs> mark hodgkinson <laughs> paging mark hodgkinson he's making his pizza chef i want to go make that pizza yeah, i'm hungry can we get this over with all right, he's not there. And Ed Selly. If you want to keep your mouth shut, it's going to cost you some dough. I figure a thousand bucks is reasonable, so I want two. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Bookmark AV Forums for the latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. Wednesday.